Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange Podcast. Stories by leaders for leaders to help you raise the bar on your own excellence to release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's podcast. This is Russ Dennis with the Nonprofit Chat Nonprofit Exchange for Tuesday, May 2nd. We have Thomas Moviel, CEO of 50 USA Markets, headquartered in Orlando, Florida. How's the weather down there, Thomas? <laughs> uh, we actually are finally uh, getting some rain today, thanks. We, uh, uh, we've been in a drought for probably the past month, um, which is very unlike Florida. So it's uh, for once where we're happy to see some rain. <laughs> you know, drought is a, is a way that, that some nonprofits have actually described their funding. And a big piece of that revolves around the fact that people don't know that they're there or what it is that they're trying to do. And so um, when we talk about marketing in the business sense, a lot of people cringe. But, you know, really communicating what you're doing uh, is pretty important. Uh, so I know that you do a lot with uh, with all sorts of market research and helping people position themselves. You know, why would it be important for a, a, a nonprofit or, or people who are thinking about starting a nonprofit to do market research? Uh, well, um, so know if there's a real need out there for for uh, uh, their nonprofit and their services and then uh, obviously their mission um, you know that I mean there are I don't know how many uh, uh, tens of thousands of nonprofits out there already um, I think a lot of times that people have a good idea they see a need um, and they say this would be a great idea for a nonprofit but there may be already nonprofits out there doing that maybe they're not targeting your community um, or your school system or whatever it may be that you're really focusing on. Um, and then there's always going to be, uh, you know, so, so, so there might be the, the, that nonprofit out there doing very similar work to what you want to do. They're already getting funding from somewhere. And as all nonprofits know, I, I mean, funding is just, you know, it, it's a, it's a uh, scarce resource. So, um, I, I think when you are going to get up and, and, and get a nonprofit going, you know, they're going to, as the saying goes, there's nothing new under the sun, but at the same time, there are new ways of doing things. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, new, new strategies. Uh, and, and so, um, but I think it's important to do your market research because you want to know, is is are you <laughs> is funding even viable? And because if there are, uh, are dozens of nonprofits out there that you'd never heard of, um, or one huge um, you know mammoth of a nonprofit that has the monopoly on that entire area, maybe your chances of getting funding are going to be very slim. Um, but maybe you know maybe instead your opportunity is going and you know. I don't know how often they do this, but like working as like a, like a subcontractor for them or starting, you know, talking to them directly about partnering and, you know, where are areas that they're focusing on and not focusing on. So, so, I mean, market research is not just secondary research of like pulling the, the data. Um, so there's going to be a fair amount of data out there, but also 
uh, doing the primary research and and not just on the internet, but picking up the the phone and making lots of calls. So that was a very long-winded answer. Um, but uh, and and uh, I mean, I could probably talk talk for days about it, but um, that, that I guess is a start. Well, there, there are lots of reasons to do that. So when you went out to to come up with your concept for fifty. Uh, for 50 USA markets, you know, when you were putting your business together, you, you did a lot of research. And so talk about what that looked like and how your background played into that. A little bit about how you built your team to fill in some of those areas that you needed a little extra support in and, and so forth. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, I, I hate to disappoint, and uh, um, but I... Uh... I kind of uh, worked just kind of in my business kind of started overnight and, and work just kind of fell into my lap, um, but getting started. But once I got started, um, because I work for a lot of, uh, I work for more and more domestic companies and, and organizations nowadays that are, are um, but I focus solely on the U.S., um, but I started off working for foreign companies that were looking to enter the U.S. market, uh, wanted to know all the ins and outs. I have a strong international background that goes back to uh, working in international development and uh, being a, I was a Peace Corps volunteer in the Carpathian Mountains for a couple of years doing economic development work. So uh, very grassroots stuff and, and working with a lot of nonprofits over there and uh, uh, local uh, city councils and churches and uh, city hall. But um but basically, uh, once I started getting going, I needed I knew I needed to expand my my business, and I, I was working for one trade office. Um, so um, basically, how I started getting going was <laughs> um, finding out there, there's tons of lists out there and tons of information. So I just started finding well, who are the other trade offices? Um, how do they operate? Uh, I started like talking to more diplomats and people that I know that are working in the international field um, and began finding out, well, I, I realized that a lot of big countries that, that are big into trade, say like France or the UK, they have, you know, huge departments <laughs> with people doing what I do. But it's a lot of the smaller companies that um, like, for example, uh, Latvia, I've been talking with, with Latvia lately, and they had a trade office until 2008, and then they closed it down. And then so their company said no representation here in the U.S. So um, for me, it was just talking to my friends and asking, and I, and I got an in with uh, one of my Latvian friends from grad school who had contacts in the government. Um, so um, and then uh, because I live in Orlando, I started tapping into there's not a, a huge international community here, but I started looking at what's going on in Miami. So it's just thinking logically, well, where does trade happen? Well, a lot of trade happens in Miami. So I started looking at, well, what trade offices are located in Miami? And then uh, I started looking at the websites, finding out who runs it. Uh, um, and then literally, well, sending out a lot of just emails and then follow-ups and picking up the phone and cold calling and sharing with them, this is what I do. Um, this is how I can help you. Do you guys have any, you know, what are your current needs? Uh, what are some of, you know, what, what are your biggest challenges? Do you, you know, and, and let's set up a time to talk and then talking more and more and more and then going through some of the vetting process to become a, a, a vendor for them. So that's a, a, a big way that I've done things and just 
word of mouth and, and, and uh, I don't use a lot of social media. Um, I, I know for a lot of people, it's a big thing uh, for me. Um, I just, uh, maybe I'm a little more old school and I just find who these people are and I pick the phone on a call, I send emails. So, um, and, and that's how I like to do things. All right. Yeah, that's, I've got a little bit of an economic development background with uh, working with the tribal nation myself and economic development is pretty broad. So mm -hmm. it's about lifting all boats up and you, you stepped in and, and felt the need that was there. And, and that's really critical. So uh, I know that that's proven to be lucrative. There's always so much international trade. Mm -hmm. But you turn your attention to domestic uh, markets, and uh, it, it's really uh, uplifting to me to know that you're focused on being at home and, and working uh, and doing work that helps support nonprofits to educate them a little bit on some of the things that they need to do uh, to become a little bit more marketable. So if you were talking to someone at a new nonprofit, and or a social entrepreneur that was thinking about starting a social enterprise as far as finding out what he needs to know what what are some of the first steps that you give him or her to take in order to find out if their idea is viable yeah um well i think a, a few things that i would do is you know, uh, obviously start with a very basic uh research on on nonprofits. um it, it, it's going to depend on, on what your focus is. Are you national or are you local? Well, if you're only local, then just focus on your local market. Find out what other nonprofits are there. I used to live in Colorado, and there, there's a, a lot of nonprofits. And uh, there was like a was called like Colorado Nonprofit Association.org. Um, and they just had lists of all the nonprofits and what they do. And so you can usually find a, a local uh, resource um, or, or, you know, you can start with, if you can't find anything, if you're in a remote area, you know, maybe calling your local city hall or city councilman and finding out the, their offices a lot of times uh, can be hopefully very helpful um, and can let you know what kind of uh, nonprofits and needs are out there. Um, and definitely, uh, you know, another way is, especially if you're going to go more regional or national, um, there are lots of, lots of, there's a trader association for everything. So I, I know that I could find within a couple minutes, you know, some databases with, uh, uh, that, that are uh, big, big proponents and, and, you know, their job is uh, propagating whatever, you know, maybe the general nonprofit industry um, and, and doing lobbying on the state level or national level. Um, and they're going to have databases and resources and then find out who else is doing that out there. And so maybe, you, maybe, you, and then so you can find out who else is doing something similar to what you're doing. Um, and or you might find that they're doing it very, you know, the very same thing, or it may seem that they're doing the same thing. But then you know, research their website and reach out to them and talk to them. Um, hopefully, they're not uh, uh, very controlling and competitive, and, and and are willing to share what they do because maybe you're going to find that what they do um, is is very helpful, but it still doesn't fulfill a certain other needs that you see. Um, and another thing that I would do is, is really talking to people again in the industry, find out what the trends are um, and find out. And one of the ways you can find out what the trends are is finding out who is, who is funding the nonprofits, uh, who are, who's funding your, you know, the nonprofits that, that are similar to, to you, the startups um, and what types of projects uh, and nonprofits are they funding? Uh, because, you know, 
you might have something great uh, for um, capacity building, right? You want to do capacity building for businesses or whatever it may be, um, but that's not what's being funded right now. So you might need to then find, well, all right, if they're not, if very little or no funding is out there for capacity building in my idea, um, maybe what are other nonprofits that have that kind of interest that I could latch onto, maybe do some volunteer work, learn, learn the industry more, or, um, or, or maybe what you see is how you can take your vision and adapt it. And, and because maybe there's, there's, you know, there's, there's funding going out for, I don't know, uh, female or, or uh, teenage empowerment, something along those lines. Um, and I don't know how you can combine those two, but doing research on, on another topic that really interests you or where things are being funded, you might begin to see that your initial vision is not exactly what it's going to be. And you might have to modify it a bit to, to where you can do some capacity building, but it's an area that's getting funded and might increase your chances of getting funded. Um, does that make sense? That does. You know, a lot of people have that important, as you said, to kind of look in there. Uh, I'm in Colorado, so okay. I'm a member of the Colorado Nonprofit Association, and the uh, and, and they are members of the uh, National Council of Nonprofits, and that's where you can sort of plug in and fan out uh, in all of these other places. But uh, I'm a firm believer in what you were talking about as far as finding other people who are doing the same thing. Uh, a big piece of market research uh, is is what's called the competitive analysis and yeah. Uh, yeah. competition. Uh, um, unfortunately, it, it can be a barrier to to collaboration. So, uh, in in looking at that landscape, um, you know, more than half the charities that are started fail. So. Uh, why is understanding the competition uh, important? And and what are some of the things you look for as far as somebody that might be a, a potential uh, uh, collaborator, as it were? Yeah. Um, well, I think the biggest thing I look in for, in, you know, in, in someone that might be a potential collaborator, or someone who actually genuinely expresses interest in collaborating um, or, or just throwing it out there like, hey, do you see any collaborative opportunities or anything you guys need help with? Um, you know, what would, if you were in my position, what would you recommend I do? Um, and, and, and don't rely just on necessarily one person's advice. Sometimes one person's advice can be golden or it can be just rubbish. So, and very, very biased. Um, and they might have their own agenda as to for why they tell you what they do. Um, but, you know, getting on, on why to research competitors is, is uh, saving time, effort, and money. Um, is if you have, you know, you feel you have a great idea and you pay, you know, you spend all this time getting your 501c3 up and running, you're talking to your friends, you're trying to build a board, um, and then you find out you can't get any funding, um, or, you know, you don't have time to write the grants, you don't know how to write the grants, or you can't hire someone to write the grants for you. I mean, this, this is, you know, it, it goes a lot into strategic planning. Um, of course, but uh, you know, you need to know again, who else is out there and where they're getting their, their funding from. And if you think that, that there is room for you, uh, in, in your nonprofit in, in that segment, um, 
getting to know your competitors is, is, is very much a, um, what it is that you find that they do well and what they don't do well. And maybe you can see what they don't do well or, or just don't do at all, that that's your in. And, and again, I mean, you can start with a mission, and that doesn't mean you have to, and it may be a little bit different than what you originally wanted to do, but that doesn't mean you have to stick with that forever. It's just an in. Um, I think many times people are too too rigid, and it's not just a nonprofit. This is in business. Like, it has to be this way. Like, no, it doesn't have to be that way. Like, things can look, the universe a lot of times will tell you things can look, uh, will point you in the direction that, that you know, things might be better off, you know, look different than your initial vision. Um, and, and again, maybe, you know, you start off wanting to work with young girls, but funding is for young boys or whatever. So, um, or, or preteens or something like that. And you get going and then you can, uh, over time, you get to learn the business, you get to, you get a good reputation, you learn who your funders are, and then you can start to find other ways to get into that area that maybe you're most passionate about. Um, and, and so getting back to the competition too is, is, what is their operating efficiency? Because you see that there's there's quite a few nonprofits out there that the money that is donated to them is not used very efficiently. And that's something that when I'm making a charitable donation, I don't care if it's $10. I want to know how much of my dollar my donating is actually going to good use. And what are, and maybe, you know, 95% of it is going to good use, but, but what are the results, right? So um, are people getting what they're supposed to be getting in the community or whatever the, the mission of your, your nonprofit is? So, um, and that's, that's where when you can learn about it through talking to people, going to meetings, working, you know, you know, doing research, getting reviews and finding out your competitors can be a big part of when you're writing your grants and saying like, our operating efficiency is going to be, you know, because we have such low overhead and, 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 and this is how we can do things for, you know, much less than other uh, nonprofits are doing in, in this, uh, uh, again, th this segment, um, or we feel that we've done the research and it's been, this area has been neglected and, and, and or there's only one or two nonprofits, but it's still a very underserved uh, population that we can go ahead and do this. So that's, that's all that that you know a lot of what goes into analyzing your competitors and your job of analyzing your competitors is not um, not to put them down but just to to learn who they are and what are their their pros and cons um, and, uh, and 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 that you know again can only help you with positioning yourself um, and and which is greatly going to increase the chances of your your nonprofit being successful, which a lot of that being successful is is getting the funding. Yeah, you know, you talk a, a little bit too about uh, uh, really just getting that analysis, understanding the market, and uh, essentially what you're talking about, and, and we've said it before, is that uh, a nonprofit uh, has a look and feel of a business. You're you're operating an organization that's there to deliver value and so yeah. there's those business principles so you know i don't think people are, are worried about how much you spend as long as it's being spent in the way that's delivering impact uh that has been promised delivering value and so uh, i think that that you have different people that define that value differently 
it's going to be different for individual donors versus private foundations that might make a grant uh, versus a government entity that might make a grant or or, uh, or any other number of, of people that you you interact with so how how many nonprofits when you when you're sitting down talking with them uh, about this research uh, and, and the different audiences uh, uh, that are out there that that interface with that nonprofit, uh, how how do you sort of walk them through that and have that conversation around value and and understanding all of the different people that they come in contact with? Hmm. Um. Have they, I mean, uh, obviously it always it kind of depends on the flow of the conversation, but um, really getting into what makes you unique, you know, or your idea unique uh, and your nonprofit um, and talking to them like who else out there is, is doing that? Um, or have you done research on our, our uh, people, our, our, you know, our, our funds? You know these large brand funding agencies are, are they funding these types of projects um have you talked to them maybe picked up the phone and called and say hey do you guys you know what is the what is the some of the trends i mean why not why not call the the, the fun people you know and then one of the managers and talk to them about the trends because a lot of times they know because a lot of times they make the decisions on this is what the trend's going to be this is what we feel the needs are so um I, I don't see anything wrong with that um i think also um you know getting down into funding it's just uh, the getting up and going like if you have a full-time job do you have the time if you don't have the time you know um how are you how are you gonna make the time and how are you you know and that might be hiring a team that might be you know spending every weekend for your next year or two you know uh, working real hard to to get it up and running um and i've been i've been part of the the grassroots uh, nonprofits that I got involved with before it was a 501c3 and, and, and became a board member and was on their finance committee so I got to see a lot of the the, the tough dealings that it went through but um, but uh, so I, I think I think you know it just comes back again to to what makes you know, what separates you from the pack who who out there how, how do you know that there's going to be funding for you um, you know when you talk about impact that's great but what does impact mean right so um, when I say you, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking very generically um, that, I mean, why do people care about what you do? You might think that they need it, but do they think that they need it? Um, and, and so, and, if, and is there a real clamoring in your community for this type of, for, for your type of services? Um, because that can be a, a big telltale sign if this is something to pursue or do we pursue a different path or do we just shut it down uh, altogether. So um, I, I think that people are, um, I, I think one of the danger points is, is is getting so excited about your idea that seems amazing to you and it's not to knock it, but you, you know, you got to really run it through the mill. <laughs> And uh, and let people get feedback from people um, in the industry, and, and and again through your through your secondary research too, um, to to find out is your great idea um, is the world ready for it? And uh, um, so so there's there's just the, 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 take your time, do your due diligence, 
don't rush things. You can file 501c3 any day of the year, you know. Um, but so, so, and, and, and um, because I, I think too often people get too far down the road they, and, and, and before they, they find out that it's not sustainable, even if your community needs it, it's just not sustainable for one reason or another. So, um, and there's no, there's no guarantees with doing competitive analysis or market research. I can't guarantee any successes for, for anyone that I work with, but you can help to, to increase your odds and your chances. And, um, and again, it's all about, uh, I'm a big proponent of being efficient. <laughs> so what is the most uh, efficient way to, to build it and to be successful and not waste our time and money? Yeah, that's uh, that's sage advice, and it's it's really thorough, you know. But in looking at that, as as we're talking about that, what are some of the most common mistakes you see people make in their analysis? Uh, I think that when you pointed out that they get excited about an idea, ooh, I can run off and do this, and and everybody needs it. Uh, a lot of times they just run with it without uh, analysis. But some people do, they stop and they, they do some research uh, and, and run off and get stuck. Uh, what are some of the most common uh, oversights and errors that you see them make in the process? Not researching their competition enough. <clears throat> um, I mean, really gotta know them. And uh, and don't be afraid to talk on them or talk to them uh, with integrity to to maybe spy on them. You know, go to one of their events or something like that, or one of their fundraisers, and find out what they're doing, how they do things, because um, you can learn a ton. And uh, um, I, I think. Uh, Again, I mean, just maybe only doing people only doing uh, secondary research <laughs> or only doing primary research. I talked to a friend and they said they don't know anyone else that does this, so I think it's a good idea. Or people in my community are really saying that they want it, so it's got to be needed. Well, I mean, you don't if you don't know that you have any competitors out there, or you don't really know what they're up to next, they might be you know targeting that need and you have no idea um, or nobody may be targeting it because the funding just isn't there um, unless you have deep pockets yourself <laughs> or, um, uh, or or have you know uh, great relations with with people with deep pockets then then, then that should be a concern of yours um, uh, so and and um, or, or again, like only looking at, you know, if you're, if you're in a segment with a lot of different players, um, only researching the, you know, uh, uh, two or three, you know, uh, competitors, you know, two or three other nonprofits or businesses, whatever it may be. Um, and, uh, and, but there's a lot of other players in there too. And so, I, I mean, if, if there's a hundred different nonprofits, I don't think you necessarily need to, you know, spend days researching, you know, on, on each one. Um, but you better pick some of the main front runners and probably more than two and find out what they're doing. And uh, I, I build spreadsheets for my clients. And I said, uh, you know, I'm very big on like, here's, here's your organization. Here's where, here's uh, uh, what their main location is. Do they have other locations? Who runs it? Uh, who's on their board of advisors? What are the pros and cons? What are people saying? What are the different programs that they offer? Uh, what's what's their funding? Where are they getting their funding from? So 
Um, that's something that people can be doing for themselves uh, as well as is, is, is taking the time and, and, and again and kind of build it, building that database. And because you're gonna learn, you know, learning what their other offer, what, what a competitor's offerings are, is, is one good way of like learning how what their pros and cons are um, to it. Um, you know, besides talking to people too. So uh, anyway, I think I think that answers your question. Yes, yes, yes. I think also that a lot of people are probably afraid of data. And uh, before it was hard to know where to look. And now there seems to be data everywhere. Some of it free, some of it uh, requires an investment. And uh, mm -hmm. so uh, how, do you, how do you work with someone when they're, they're, they're very much uh, intimidated by the data or afraid of the data how do you sort of walk them through that because if they got enough fear they won't even bother to do it yeah which yeah data can be very intimidating <laughs> uh, <laughs> i've even gotten intimidated by by uh, uh data before but um but you got to persist you know and 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 i think uh you know one i mean one of the biggest ways that i work with the data is is being able to explain it in in, in, in you know in layman's terms uh, what does it understanding just what does it mean? Um, because sometimes data doesn't mean a whole lot, and uh, I'm actually uh, uh, people people kind of think because I do a lot of market research that I'm, I'm a marketing guy. I'm actually not. Uh, I'm an economist by trade, so um, and so it makes it a little you know a little bit different of what I do and a little you know different perspective and ways that I approach things. Um, but there's uh, uh, we, have, we have a saying in, in economics like if at first the, the the data doesn't produce results that you want, you massage the data, and then if massaging the data still doesn't produce results you want, you beat it into submission until it says what you want. So, <laughs> which is why it's it's uh, uh, you know you can get numbers to tell you anything you want. So so my point being that. Make sure you're getting your data from a reputable source. Um, usually best to get it from two, three, four different sources. Um, try to verify it by talking to other experts in the, in the industry. A lot of times it's not hard to find someone on, on LinkedIn or through the you know trade associations or just other people in the industry. Um, and uh, we're calling the company and asking them how they how they come to the conclusions of the data because so much so much matters as far as you know what what's the what's a you know what is the population size of where you're taking it from uh you know where was where was the data extracted was it only in the the northeast because if you followed any any elections <laughs> you can tell like there's you know you, you take you take you, you try to extract data from different parts of the country and get totally different results and and it's not none of it is right or wrong right it just it is what it is, and so, um, so I, I, you know, getting getting back to the point, um, I, I think uh, um, there there are a lot of paid services out there. Um, I subscribe to a few. Um, some are incredibly expensive, so I don't really bother with that. And I find a lot of times I can get what I need through other methods. Um, and you know, another thing too that uh, uh, that, that people. Um, I think don't think about is there's a ton of databases out there that are free to the public through the library system um, and because there are uh, the, the data is mandated by law to be 
available for the public. Well, how does the government a lot of times get that data out there? It's through the public library system. So go and talk to a librarian if you're looking for a certain uh, uh, data and stuff. Um, another way too is if you're by a local university, or even if you're not, just call up a university and like talk to them. Find out the department. I mean, uh, again, if you're focusing on on uh, youth or something like that, you can talk to their education department, their, I don't know, maybe their mental health counseling, wh whatever it may be, you know, and, and a lot of times they they can share or, or be more than willing to help you out with, with getting the data for free um, because universities have access to it as well. So, um, and uh, so those are just a couple ways to, to get around the system. Oh yeah, I love the public library and that if, if uh, and I don't, no, I mean, when I was growing up way back when, that was what we had for an option. That was before the information age. But, you know, the research librarians are good friends, and mm -hmm. that's an excellent use of tax dollars, you know. Yeah. But, it, but it's almost like there's this, there, now there's a flood of information, and people can can have all sorts of data, and they go for, uh, from get them from other sources. Uh, so. They have it, but they don't know necessarily how reliable each of the sources are. And so, how do you how do you help folks navigate uh, uh, some of the better places to look for data? Uh, and when they come to you with a bunch, how to interpret it or make sense mm. of it? Mm. Well, um, I mean, a lot of times I, I you know for my clients, I'm doing it for them. Um, but I, you know. The times that someone has come to me, um, you know, it's, it's depending on that situation, getting down and, 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 and look, digging through the data and, uh, and, and, and figuring out what it means, you know. Um, so, and I think sometimes, too, uh, uh, some of the data is best uh, left to maybe um, even experts in that industry. So, I might find... Uh, again, a trade association or something like that and, and ask them to explain to me. Um, I used to work for actually uh, um, an, an environmental economics firm before I started my own company. And uh, we were working on a, a very large project for the entire state of Florida. Um, and universities were, were, um, were some of the best resources. I used to call all around the country um, and, and so for, we, we were researching crops and how much, uh, pricing on crops, chemicals, all, all this other stuff. So, um, and, but some of these universities, especially at the university extension programs collect the most abstract data and their department heads are right on the internet in two seconds, you can find it. And there's a lot of times that I would call and talk to uh, professors in the industry and asked them to explain to me and because we were looking at actually at one thing that for an example uh, we're, we're researching the prices of sod well for forever for like it doesn't sound very interesting but uh, it was it was to me because I'm just a nerdy data guy but um, the prices on sod were pretty flat for decades and then all of a sudden one year like five years ago the price of sod like doubled or tripled. And then it went flat again for the next year. Well, when you're an economist and you're trying to make sense of trends and you see a, things are flat all of a sudden a huge blip for no apparent reason, um, I'm on the phone talking to professors and interviewing them and like what's going on and, and they 
and basically what they told me is that after decades of the same flat price, they, the industry like decided or growers decided like we deserve more. And they just like basically like within a year, they just, you know, doubled or tripled the prices to reflect how they should be um, now. And he's, and, and I, was, I was like, all right, well, is this going to happen again in the next year? And, but, you know, his answer was no, that was, you know, uh, you know, that was a major adjustment that happened just once. Um, and, and, and I know sod and this kind of prices probably don't interest any nonprofit at all. But the point being is that sometimes when you're looking at trends or, or looking at the data and something doesn't make sense, find out a lot of times you can find out from, from the universities and they can, you know, universities, their professor. I mean, these guys that spend 80 hours a week just researching and writing academic papers on it um, and are, are, have brilliant minds um, can give you a ton of information that any expert working for a nonprofit or something like that might not know. Um, so, so, uh, so, you know, don't, don't, don't limit your options to just people and, 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 the industry on the street, you know. Do do you find uh, Thomas that there's a great reluctance on the part of, uh, of people who come in to see you uh, to actually go out and talk to people? Uh, they may rely on internet or some other research. Do you find that there's uh, when people are trying to put these ideas together that they're somewhat reluctant to go talk to other people? Sure, sure. Um, or don't know what questions to ask. Um, so, uh, which is, uh, I guess, another reason that they hire me <laughs> uh, to just to <laughs> do it. Um, and uh, but I'll work with clients to develop questions and get an agreed set of questions that we want because I do a lot of structured interviews where we have a set list of questions and I will call that industry expert. And, um, and, 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 and whoever may be and, and, and talk to them and, and, you know, ask for five, 10 minutes of the time and just run through specifically what we need. And that way we can, we can, when we look at the data and say, I interviewed 20 different people and these are the results we're getting that we know that I asked all the same questions and that, the, that, that the, even if the answers aren't consistent, the questions were, um, so, so I think, um, so that is a lot of what I do is and, and to make sure that I'm getting from my clients, the questions answered that, that are matter to them. Um, and, and so bring some together. So, and, but then for people on their own, um, yeah, I find a lot of, you know, for people I just, I, I give advice to uh, on the side that are not a client, um, that, uh, there's, there's some reluctance maybe to, to pick up the phone or lack of motivation, whatever it may be, or, uh, uh, so, um, and, and, you know, to, to talk to these people. So it's, it's, it's not for everyone. Um, but, uh, uh, cold calling takes some time to, <laughs> to get used to. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of people won't cold call and they don't, they don't always know. And uh, yeah, I, I had a consultation with the with the gentleman that was referred to me today that that wanted to to do some programs. So some of the questions I was asking, he didn't didn't quite have answers to. And so a lot of times, people will probably approach you, and they don't uh, they don't necessarily know what questions to ask. And so I yeah. think a huge advantage to working with you and and. Uh, and uh, 50 USA Markets, your, your, your agency, and with you and your partners to, to get that information. Because if, they, if they're not asking the right questions, they can come away with something that's 
completely uh, off center. It, it may be feasible uh, when they're asking the wrong questions, but when they start asking the right questions, their idea may not be feasible. Right, right, right. And certainly it's, it can be the wording and the questions that you ask and um, producing the right answer or skewing because you ask it in a certain way that's going to give you, you know, the intended result that you want. Um, or, uh, or yeah, you can spend all this time, you know, asking all the wrong questions and it's just, you know, uh, it, it, it's just all, all, you know, all, all your notes are, are worth going in the garbage. Um, and uh, uh, so, so yeah, and that's just more about, you know, thinking ahead and being smart and, and, and really, you know, taking the time, don't rush it. You know, there's nothing wrong with, with taking baby steps. And um, because once you start taking the baby steps, then, then that doesn't mean that you have to move incredibly slow. It just means that there's, there's small steps, but they're, they're very structured. You're staying disciplined, you have a strategy, and then you're moving, you're moving forward. Um, and so, um, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I think, uh, I, I think, um, a lot of people, yeah, just don't take the time or, or think like through like, what do I really want? And, uh, um, and so certainly when you, when you are going to take up someone else's time, uh, you, in, in your own time, you really got to be very clear about what you want and what, what answers, why do you want them? Yeah, I think that's the the value of having a trusted advisor like yourself to kind of sort of get people to step back, take a breath, because uh, social entrepreneurs, we're, we're, they're difference makers, and, and they see a problem, they want to get in there and get at it and do something. And they're excited about a large vision that they have, and they don't always think about that sequencing or who else is doing that, which is something yeah. that... We, we talked about at great length. So when you when you talk about some of the problems that society has, they're pretty broad based, like homelessness, and and uh, so when you got somebody that has a nonprofit out there, how how do they go about differentiating themselves by by using that research? Um. Uh. Well. <laughs> Um, certainly, uh, again, it, 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 it uh, um, speaking in, in very, uh, I guess, vague terms. Um, I mean, because it, it depends on, again, what, what data you're getting and what you're using is, is uh, um, how to use it is, is, you might see a real, again, a real need for it. Um, <clears throat> people in your community are saying, like, you need to, to start a nonprofit um, that is going to address this issue. This is a big issue in our, our community. And I really think it's just a national problem. Well, then you go and you do the data and you find nationwide, you know, and because you're wanting to start a nonprofit, we're going to be national. We have this huge idea. You're creating this grand strategy. You're doing all this research. You're, you maybe you're researching all your competitors and in Oregon to Maine and, and wherever else. But then you like go and you really look at the data and talk to people, and maybe it's not that much of an issue uh, nationwide, but it's an issue to certain segments of the, the, you know, or certain, certain areas of, of the country, or maybe it's just something that's very unique to, to your community in itself. And that's why I say there's nothing wrong with starting with baby steps. And, and, you know, maybe, um, you know, maybe there's nothing wrong with starting just targeting your community, your school, 
um, your neighborhood, whatever it may be, start there. Get, get, get some systems down, get some processes down. There's going to be a lot of learning. And then slowly, you know, then, then, then you're going to learn. You're going to build some systems. You're going to see what works and what doesn't work and be able to go and move on from there. And when you start smaller, a lot of times you don't need as, as much funding, you know, and, and so it's a lot easier to get the funding that you need to get up and going. But then also when you're going to look for those bigger uh, investors, let's say, um, that the, the donors, um, you're going to have already a proven track record and references and you're going to have, this is, this is what we've done this will you know? And so I think, I think it, 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 again, it depends on what you want to do, but it's just going to be a smarter way to, to move. And, and there's nothing wrong with starting small. Um, I don't think anyone gets into, uh, you know, the nonprofit industry to make millions anyway. So, you know, you're not in it for the money. I know you you wanted to, to get into it to, to be in it, you know create a, some type of positive impact on your on, on, on the, the nation the world, but just you know just get up and get moving. There's nothing wrong with that. And maybe it's a year down the road, maybe it's five years down the road. You never know how fast you're going to grow. Um, but but just starting and get moving. I mean that's you know you look at companies like Uber or you know smaller uh you know mom and pop stores like even even uh he's book but like walmart you know and they just started and walmart had its own location it was pretty you know it wasn't very big for many many years and then finally they they hit that point and like now we can you know now we're ready to expand so so um uh there, there's nothing wrong with that the process where you build on these successes and uh by building step by step and, and having small successes and creating that track record. And that's a, a cumulative impact. And so yeah. you become known for successfully building the sequence. Uh, we did have a comment in on question three, how does your nonprofit differentiate itself? Mm -hmm. uh, Nobel City Chamber of Commerce, they said we uh, hashtag think novel, uh, novel and we hashtag take risks. So this uh, this uh, depart this uh, chamber of commerce, uh, and that they've got links up here. So I'm going to have a look at that at some point okay. and see what it is that they do. So, but they that that's what they do. They they think novel, and and so they probably have a process for that. And when you're working with somebody that's not sure how to differentiate themselves, how do you guide them through that process? Hmm. Um. <laughs> Well, I think uh, if they're not sure how to differentiate themselves, um, it depends uh, on uh, a few things. Uh, first one being is like, well, what is what are well, again back to what are you, what are your competitors doing, right? And let's let's brainstorm some different ways of doing things, and maybe let's take that and talk to other people in the industry, some of these different ideas. And like, hey, what do you think about what if we did things this way? What if we targeted this segment? that way um that seems to be a real underserved area why is no one targeting that area and you might find there's a real good reason that no one's targeting it again um so you don't want to differentiate yourself that way so it's it's a lot of back and forth um and and, and i think sometimes too too well not i think i know um it's like a a mentor of mine once told me many years ago that you know follow your heart and you'll never go wrong and i think that a lot of people that are in the nonprofit industry 
get into it because they're driven by their heart. Um, so I think that a lot of times, uh, um, you know, your heart will tell you how, how you really feel you want to differentiate yourself too, because you have, because you're unique. And, yeah. uh, um, and, and so, um, and, and maybe, maybe it's best not to always just talk to other people and, and see how other people are saying you need to differentiate yourself this way. But, but sometimes, you know, you, you, you really know deep, deep down. Um, and, uh, you know, so, um, it just, it, it just depends on the situation, but those are a couple ways. That's great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And we, we brought up the question of how competitors are, are, are getting funded. So uh, as an example, when you were looking at starting yours, how were your competitors getting funded and, and what were some of the steps you took to find out how your competitors were getting funded? Mm. Um, well, I, you know, I did, uh, I, you know, I found that uh, some of the companies that I was competitors with were, are, uh, you know, small person shops like myself. Um, some people actually now, now a company that, that I have a strategic partnership with and, and uh, uh, we're working on a big deal uh, together right now. Um, they, uh, um, they, they do things very low efficient. Everyone is, they have offices all around the world. But everyone, they just keep one or two people in, in each country, um, and they uh, and, and everyone pretty much works remotely from home. Um, but they have also, you know, people that that if they're working on a project and they have someone and, and their office in uh, Shanghai, uh, that if that while they're sleeping, the person in Shanghai can go ahead and take over. So, um, so I, I just learned, you know, a bit more about how, how they work and how they're more efficient. Um, just by uh, talking to them and then eventually um, um, getting, you know, the, we jived quite well, so we ended up going into business together, but um, as far as who's your partners. Um, but I, I also just research people online and just try to find out, uh, you know, call them, ask, ask some questions, maybe pretend to be a potential client or just, or just uh, talk to them, you know, who I am and what I'm looking at doing. And, uh, you know, some of these guys have, uh, they, they do some of what I do, but then they have their main focus of the job of their company. Um, and then some, some of the, so I, I see a lot in my area, um, which is, uh, a lot of the research. Again, when I got started, I was mainly focused on international. It's just uh, smaller, very like low cost, uh, operations. Um, that's also how I want to build my company. Uh, even more, when I begin to bring people on, I have a lot of connections. I used to live in New York, and then, and again, Colorado. Um, so, and then, and then I've uh, been partnering, and you know, with uh, people in uh, Chicago too. So, um, that's how I knew I wanted to do it. But again, I'm on the business end, not the not the nonprofit end. Um, but uh, um, you know, as far as how my company is structured, so um, you know, you just find other 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 organizations that are similar to yours and start asking them questions pick up the phone call them email them see if you can set up a time um you know uh and then uh even calling some of these uh again nonprofit associations and talk to them like what's the best way i can get started and and one thing that i remember actually from when i lived in colorado is there was the ynp and the young nonprofit professionals network mm -hmm. and if you're below like 35 or you think it's 35 and below or 40 and below um, 
they have events every every month, I think, and go to go to those events. Go where people like you are or or people that you want to emulate where they're going. And and this is a great way to talk to them. And you can find people that are gonna give you just amazing and valuable advice. You're gonna find out how they build their businesses, you know, get their car, see if you can set up a time to, to meet with them for coffee or whatever and, and, and find out what did they do. Um, and you're going to find out ways that work for you. Uh, I just knew that I didn't want to go and start renting office space and raising capital. I just, that's just not my style. Um, for some people it, it is so, um, but, but from seeing how other people operate in different, different, um, uh, you know, business models or nonprofit models, that's how you kind of learn how, how you want to run. So just talk, just talk to people in the industry. Well, that's pretty important. Hey, you know, that's that first step to building a high-performance nonprofit is to build that solid foundation. And all of the things that we talked about go into building that foundation because it's being sure what it is you want to do, who you're trying to help, and what that looks like, and uh, what you have on hand and what you don't have. Uh, and then moving forward and finding out who's in your space. Because a lot of this, yeah. a lot of the research, market research, doesn't really just go into competitors. We're trying to find board members or uh, servant leaders, volunteers, uh, as well as donors. And so your message has to resonate with all of the people who are potentially impacted and the people that, who will be using the service. It's, it, it's amazing to me how many times. Um, or how little time uh, some folks spend talking to people that will actually use the service. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because, oh. you know, they, they build it. Now, well, this is notoriously true for the government. They build it and they figure out, can't figure out why no one shows up. Right, right, right. Yeah, and I think, you know, and, I, and actually uh, uh, rings the bell because it, it brings me back to um, one of the very first nonprofits I was involved with. And, uh, um, they, we created, uh, it was a nonprofit arts, uh, community. Um, and they, it was called art house. Uh, I'm originally from Cleveland and it was very, uh, it was over by the Cleveland zoo off of like, uh, okay. Fulton Avenue actually. So it was very like working class to some, you know, borderline or even below poverty people. Um, you know, not the best schools in that area. And we got funding actually from the, one of the council women um, and her ward, uh, each ward got a certain amount of funding to do in the community what they wanted to do. And uh, the director of the, of the arts nonprofit, you know, convinced her that like, this is going to be great for the community. And they took that money and they bought a foreclosed house. It's like an old, like three story foreclosed house. And then you're like, all right, well, how are you going to renovate it? Well, they, they just got together people in the community and talked to all their friends and got volunteers over. And we were over on like Saturday spending time, um, you know, ripping up uh, floors, ripping out walls, and, uh, and, and everyone put their time in. And that was a great, efficient way to, to do things to save uh, on a lot of money. And then they uh, renovated it. Uh, and then started, you know, one of the, one of the ways is they brought local artists there to teach classes. So they made a bit of, I think a bit of a cut on whatever the, the teachers charged, um, to help the nonprofit run. They gave them the space as well. Um, but also they developed a relationship with the local school where they would go and to the students. And I think they offered like a, 
I don't know if they didn't have like an art studio there or um, they did. There was an after school program. I, I forget this is a long time ago, but they um, but they brought would bring the students over from the school to the arts uh, community, which is, you know, uh, just a block or two away. And the students there could could do, you know, they had uh, sculpting and like bronzing and and uh, uh, painting and jewelry making. And then they had like an, an art show every every few months where local artists could come and like sell uh their their art stuff so that was another way for them to like raise money get the community involved and target several different segments at once um basically for just the startup money for for buying a, a foreclosed house which it's, you know in cleveland that's that's not a whole lot of money <laughs> so <laughs> well i grew up there too as uh you know they used to call it the best location in the nation so yeah uh we're, we're hometown uh boys yeah wow. that's uh that's pretty important so you know but with that group they brought a lot of people together and i've seen some nonprofit leaders that don't necessarily have a lot of money but they're great at mobilizing people yeah. and some have started to raise money over time because they're great and they do things with all volunteer staff. Uh, they don't take a check out of it, but they're not uh, pulling money out of their own pockets to make it run. They've actually got some powerful and sustainable stuff going. And uh, that's because they knew how to talk to different people. They talk uh, around what they were trying to do. Uh, Travis Smith, uh, who runs Impact here in Denver, Colorado, is one that comes to mind. It's just remarkable, you know. Uh, we, we've kind of we're coming to the to the to the top of the hour, uh, and it's just it just every week it's like this. You just we could go on for hours, and I would be fascinated and love to learn more, but we have a limited time for our audience. So, what are what are some closing thoughts that you want to leave people with, and uh, and tell us how we can how. Oh, this can get in contact with you and work with you and, and, and yeah. that type of thing. Yeah. Um, I guess a few parting thoughts is uh, certainly it depends where you are uh, in your in your development of your organization. Um, if you're again, I, I hate to kick a dead horse, but if you're in the beginning stages, you've got an idea. Um, or you have an idea, you've already done your 5 on C3, you haven't done research on your competition, what's going on yet, you're having a hard time finding uh, funding, um, you know, do, do, that, do that market research, go out and talk to people, find out, talk to, you know, all your local places, uh, uh, state agencies, um, talk to the national trade associations, um, uh, go go to the local nonprofit uh, networking events. Uh, find people that that uh, you want to emulate. Um, don't be afraid to ask people for some other time and ask. Have you know? Be very prepared and what questions and what you want to get out of the uh, you know of a meeting. Um, but but more often than not, I find people are are you know more than happy to talk about themselves <laughs> and their successes and uh, <laughs> help you out. Uh, and, and at the same time, um, and if you haven't done the secondary data, start looking for it. If you can't find it, then again, these, these people you're making uh, connections with, find out where they're getting their data. What are some of the trends? Don't be able to, don't don't be afraid to call up, you know, some of the some of the donors and find out what are they see the trends are. Why are they would they ever fund this type of project, um, or who would fund that type of project? Because a lot of times. 
you know, a donor organization is going to know other donor organizations. So, um, and you might find it as a small world after all. Um, and I think, uh, again, if you're just starting in, in, you know, your, your, your idea, really, really try to think, start small. Don't be afraid to start small and, uh, talk to people that are doing similar work to, to what you, you're doing. Um, and, uh, so, uh, that's probably, uh, what I could say. Um, and, uh, without going on for too long, um, <laughs> I think also that, yeah, you can, uh, reach me, uh, you can go to my website, uh, which is, uh, five zero USA markets.com. Uh, you can also email me at uh, T and then my last name, which is M-O-V-I-E-L at 50USAMarkets.com. Um, or uh, pick up the phone and just give me a call. I still have a Colorado number, actually, so <laughs> uh, from a long time ago. So you can always just call me at 303-819-9847. Um, and uh, I'll be more than happy to, to, uh, to talk to you, uh, listen to, you know, your idea, um, learn more about what you have going on, maybe what some of your challenges are. Uh, if I cannot help you out, I very well may know someone that can. So, um, so, so don't be afraid to reach out. And, uh, um, so there, there's a lot of exciting ideas, a lot of exciting projects out there. Um, I think it just, you, you gotta be relentless and just be unwilling to, to compromise, you know, uh, if there's something that you want, uh, you know, go get it. And, uh, uh, it just takes a lot of, you know, time and effort and, uh, some, some good, uh, rational thinking. So. Oh, very good. Very sage advice. That's wonderful. I mean, we got all kind of connections, Colorado and Cleveland. And I know it's crazy. <laughs> it's, it's just crazy. Wonderful work you're doing out there and the, and the stuff you're doing is very useful. Uh, my best friend's dad uh, 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 is a, is an ag was an agricultural economist. He taught at uh, Oklahoma State, Clement Ward, and he retired about five years ago. So you know, so the the way that an economist approaches things is is really different, but it's thorough. Thomas, thank you very much uh, for your heart and your work and and all of the great things you're doing out there. Uh, thank you, everyone, that tuned in to uh, be with us here on the Nonprofit uh, Chat. So we'll be getting this interview up uh, again. Uh, I look forward to talking to you again sometime soon. Uh, Likewise. Uh, and we will have this available later in the week also on the Nonprofit Exchange, our sister uh, podcast site. So you can download these uh, programs and listen to them in your car or while you're jogging. And uh, so we like to pass this information on. Uh, again, thank my thanks to you, Thomas. I look forward to seeing you soon. And uh, thank you to all who joined us. And we will see you here uh, next week on the uh, Nonprofit Chat. Until then, this is uh, Russ Dennis signing off. Good night, Thomas. Good night. Thanks again for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.